Well, hello, everybody. And um, before I get going, I should just give you a quick introduction. Catherine's just here with Jessa. Jessa wanted to say hello to everybody. So uh, here's Jessa. So wave, Jessa. Say hello. Fortunately, I can't hear your comments, so uh, I can't hear the heckling or anything like that. Um, But it's really good to have you in my study. Uh, I know it's a bit cramped, but if there's anyone at the back who wants to push in, there's a chair there you can sit down at. Um, It's a privilege to speak to you uh, about John 21 and hear what God has to say through it. A little bit of a background to this book. This is a really, I mean, for me, it's a really special gospel. It's different from from the other three gospels. It's written later. So this is John writing in old age, probably in his 80s, writing this uh, many years after Jesus has lived and died and resurrected. And um, it's a different season. Weirdly, there's a bit of a comparison with, with this season that we're in, in that John is writing when all the people who've seen Jesus and uh, interacted with him or was around when he was there are, are kind of dying off. And John writes this gospel, and it kind of feels like he's finishing when he gets to John 20, because he says he's written this gospel for all those people who won't see Jesus but will believe. And he finishes with the story of Thomas uh, who doubts, experiencing Jesus, seeing Jesus, having an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus says, well, blessed, great for you that you believe because you've seen. But even more blessed are those who haven't seen and believe. And that's, that's the, the word of this gospel. It's like to all the people who are now starting to believe who are outside the physical lifetime and experience of, of Jesus. And then he comes in with chapter 21, like a like a sudden extra bit. And it's kind of like in the movies where the, the movie's finished, but then you get this last scene which tells you more, like Saving Private Ryan or something like that, where where in that movie it's, it's finished. They've managed to rescue Private Ryan and it's done. They've done their job. But then we see a final scene. I hope I'm not spoiling the movie before we, but we see a final scene where a whole bunch of people go to the, to the grave of one of the people who rescued Private Ryan. And this is many, many years later. And, uh, they're, they're there and they're kind of giving thanks for that guy's life that, he, that they're there in the world because they're the relative, they're the sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters of, of Private Ryan. And so you see the impact that it's had. And it feels like with John 21, that's what John is doing. He's, he's, he's answering some of the questions that many of his readers will have had because something cataclysmic, something totally radical has happened. And it happened about AD 70 when Jerusalem had been invaded by Rome and completely crushed. And so if you're at the centre of Christianity at that point, even though it was opposed by many of the Jews, the centre of Christianity was, was crushed. Judaism had been crushed. The temple was crushed. There was no more uh, sacrifices happening. We were in a new season. There'd been an intense persecution just before by Nero of the Christians. And that's gone. That's over. We're in a new season where people have not, not many people physically can remember Jesus. It's a new season. Everything's different. The, the center's gone. How how do we now do Christianity? What does it look like? It kind of feels like a little bit like what's happening now. Like, how do we do church? And in this 
extra chapter, John puts in some beautiful touch, touches. He tells us something we we wouldn't know unless John had written it. And if you, you notice the way John writes, he puts loads of detail into his descriptions. That's that's his his like little northern key to say, hey, look, I was there. You know, I'm I am one of the remaining witnesses, and I was in these places, and I I reclined my head against Jesus. And he tells us about an intimate story that he heard and, and others heard. And they only just about heard it because uh, as as it was heard, uh, sort of rumours developed. So maybe it was only heard in snatches. And so they developed these rumours about what will happen. But um, he tells us about Jesus interacting with Peter in a way that undoes something uh, that was shocking for Peter, that was shaking for Peter. Because Peter has denied Jesus three times. It's it's really interesting the number three, because scripturally three is like it's like complete government. It means you are totally something. So God isn't just holy, he's holy, 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 according to the seraphim. He's complete holiness. And John says this, John makes a note, points out this is the third time that Jesus appeared to them after his resurrection. And he gets close to Peter. Obviously, John can hear. Maybe others can hear. And uh, he kind of, without saying, is addressing the issue that, that Peter denied Jesus three times, just as he prophesied a few if you look at Luke 22, 31 to 34, you'll see that um, Jesus said to Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And, and Peter says, no, no way, I won't do that. And Peter, Jesus also says, hey, Peter, this is a, a, a significant time. There's, there's deep stuff happening in the heavens. Um, Satan has asked to sift you, and the you is plural, plural, for all the disciples, Satan has asked to sift all the disciples like wheat. And then he turns to Peter and says, but I've prayed for you, not that he hasn't prayed for the others, but he's talking to Peter. I pray for you that your faith won't fail. And when you repent, when you, when you have the shift, the change of heart that this is meant to bring about, strengthen your brothers. And it's like, He's joining that moment up with this moment. And he gets close to Peter and, uh, you know, speaks about the thing that's unspoken, the elephant in the room. And um, says, Peter? Well, the first time he, he says it, they've been fishing. I mean, they've been waiting for Jesus to come. They've gone to Galilee uh, and they're, they're waiting for Jesus to appear. What else would they do? I mean, if they were into football, I guess they would have played football but they're fishermen, so they go fishing. And it's like back to the beginning again. It's like when Jesus first met them. He tells them to cast their nets over the side and loads of fish come. And it's, it's, it's an echo. We, and interestingly enough, just like Matt has said in the other uh, in encounters with Jesus, they, it's not easy to recognize this Jesus. He's different. There's something different about him and his resurrection nature because he's only a hundred yards from them you'll notice if you read the story that the boat is a hundred yards away from Jesus and they don't recognize him and even when he speaks to them and says you know children have you caught any fish they don't recognize his voice and then it's John well we assume it's John uh, in his hidden way he says 
it's the Lord. And Peter rushes out to see him. And in this first question, Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Now, in the, in the Greek, it's not personal. It, it could be for, for things. It could be, do you love me more than these things? Peter, do you love me more than fishing, than the life you have here, this life? And he says it formally. That's the interesting thing. He says, Simon, son of John. That's really formal. It's like, it's like Peter denied Jesus kind of formally when he was challenged, almost like legally by at the, around the fire. You were with him. No, no, I wasn't. It's, um, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these things? Peter seems without hesitation to say, yeah, I love you more than these things. Then the second, Peter, do love me. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I think that's gone beyond the things, isn't it? This is about, like, now, do you have an intimate connection with me? Do you want to be my lifelong friend? Do you want to be with me? And Peter answers, yes, I do. And then the third time comes, and the third time is upsetting for Peter. And we could speculate what that is, but certainly I'm sure one of them would be he would now connect it with the fact that he denied Jesus three times. And now formally, in front of Jesus, more than in front of Jesus, if you like, in front of the heavens watching, in front of every all of the unseen realm watching, not many people, but the unseen realm watching, he says, yes, Lord, and now acknowledges, you know everything. You knew that I was going to deny you. You knew what was in my heart. I didn't know what was in my heart, but you did, and you knew that I would deny you. But now you know me, and you know what is in my heart. You can see that even in all my brokenness and failure, I love you. And each time Jesus commissions Peter, to feed my lambs or my sheep. It's like these moments come where we're confronted with our hearts and often they're unexpected or often they're in a random moment like a barbecue at a beach and a deep thing happens. I can remember when I was, when I was young, when I was, uh, I think I was 20, so that's about five years ago, and I was... Uh, working for Dixon's, if you remember Dixon's, maybe some of you will. And I, I was just a Christmas job for three months selling things. And I had one of those moments where it had stuck with me the whole of my life. Just a real small moment See, would seem insignificant in the scheme of things. But that was a powerful moment when I was trying to set up credit for someone to buy uh, a hi-fi. And I was talking to the credit company on the phone. This is a common thing we used to do. People would take out monthly payments. And the person on the end of the line said to me, have you seen two forms of identification? And I'd seen one. I'd seen a bank statement. So I said, uh, I've seen one. And the person said, no, you need to have seen two. So I said, um, have you got another form of identification? And he said, no, I don't. As this is happening, the manager of the shop sees what's happening and comes over and um, and joins in. 
while I'm on the phone. And uh, he says, just say you've seen the utility bill. And I'm, it's, it's like, all of a sudden, everything's changed for me internally. It's like I'm, I'm aware of everything he's watching this moment, even though there's only four people involved. Everything is watching this moment. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't do that. No, uh, and the manager's looking me now in the face, stern eyes saying, just say you've seen a utility bill. And I'm going, God, help inside. I go, uh, no, I can't. And just as I'm halfway through saying, I can't say that, this, the guy who's buying the hi-fi suddenly bursts in, bursts in and says, oh, I've got a dog license. And he puts this bit of paper on the, on the, on the desk. Uh, and it's hand, it feels like it's a handwritten scribbled note, but it's a dog license. So I, I say on the phone, ah, uh, I've seen a dog license. And the person on the end of the phone goes, yeah, that's enough then. All done. And I'm like, phew. And the manager goes away. Now, it was just 30 seconds, but something shifted for me. It's like, I, I was, I, I, I stood in a, in a small trial, if you like, and, and experienced God's standing with me in that moment. And it, it strengthened me. It, it did something. I could fast forward to another moment when, um, uh, when I was trying to, to get a job, I, I, I'd, I was, I'd gone through divorce and my life was shaken. I was thinking, I'm not sure I can stay a missionary. And I tried, to get a job, and I, I had a friend who was in the pharmaceutical industry, and he set me up with an interview to become a, 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 a drugs rep, selling to, to GPs, the drugs. And he said, you'll get this job, and he gave me all the questions that they would ask and how to answer, and how to finish the interview. He gave me all the keys. And at the end of this interview, after I'd done so well, I asked the question that he told me to ask, which was, uh, is there any reason why you think I wouldn't be... Uh, qualified for this job and able to take this job and I said, oh, I can't answer that now. We'll see later. And then uh, a week later, I got the reply that they didn't give me the job and my friend was amazed. Now I realised, wow, that was a moment because God did not want me to leave what I was doing. And I'm so glad for his graciousness about interrupting and stopping that. And I think this time with COVID is like that for us. It's like, if we would harness this moment, because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do, whether you have more time on your hands, like many people do, or whether you're in the NHS and you're busier than ever, but, but think things are shaken, church life is shaken. It's, it's time to take moments to stop and let Jesus ask these questions deep in our heart, because he's asking them as we go around. Do you love me more than these things? Do you love me? And then, do you really love me? And that last question is linked to then Jesus giving a different prophecy to Peter than he gave before. And he prophesies about his death. And probably everyone who's reading that will wonder why, what crazy time we've had. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The centre of Christianity has changed. And Peter seemingly what was the point of Peter's death? And John points out, well, he glorified God because he chose to submit to what God intended for his life rather than running away. 
And we don't know exactly for sure how Peter died, but we have enough historical records to tell us it, it could have been something like this, that he, he escaped Jerusalem as Nero was persecuting him, the Christians. He managed to get out of, of Rome. And as he got out, somehow he met the Lord, another appearance of the Lord. And then, and the, the story goes that in this appearance, the Lord was carrying a cross. And, and he said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified. Follow me. And he realized that this was his time to follow Jesus, to go back into Rome. Crucified, probably not that many significant people watching. But it was glorifying God because the heavens are watching. Things were seen. The shout and the roar of glory would, would go up. And in this time of, of COVID, it's a, well, what, what is in my heart? How would you like me to glorify you in the next season of my life when things will have changed in the environment around us? How am I to even if I'm doing the same things, how am I to allow you and your glory to shine through me in new ways with a new softness of heart? Like Peter would have had a new softness of heart, knowing his frailty and knowing the grace and mercy of God, the grace of God that strengthened him when his own human effort couldn't lead him to die with Jesus. He was able to yield to the grace of God that strengthened him to go back into Rome and obey Jesus. Wow. So that's my prayer for us. And I wonder if you join in with me. I, I just want to pray for a second, for a couple of seconds, that, Lord, you would beautifully search our hearts. We love your grace and mercy towards us, that you shake our hearts where we're not, securing you and you strengthen us where we need strengthening would you strengthen us in this time to go deeper with you and glorify you in jesus name amen